All right, here we are for May 3rd, 2022. It's hard to believe 2022 came up so fast. You know, it's pretty dreary up here. I'm in Wisconsin, getting ready to go to work. Got to go to California from Wisconsin. Well, California, Chicago, then, you know, Chicago. So Wisconsin, Chicago, California, back. Then go home again. Should be home Friday sometime. Going to the big world of wheels car event up in Wisconsin Dells, May 21st. I think it's 21st, 22nd, something like that. Going to spend a weekend. Got a hotel room there. Going to videotape the whole thing. Going to put it up on the YouTube channel. That's TWK Trucking with Kingfish. There's another truck show I really want to go to in June, but I don't know if it's going to work out. We'll have to see. It's, uh, I don't know, just a lot going on. The weather's been kind of crappy, so I got to work on it. Hopefully I'll get this all figured out. And I got to go get my physical done every two years. Well, it used to be every two years you get your physical, and now I've gotten to that age in my mid-50s where I've worked my way down to one-year card, which really sucks. So every year I got to go do a physical and I got to do that before the 11th of June. So I'll be doing that pretty soon. A lot going on, a lot going on in May. And then the weather's crappy. Hopefully it'll turn nice soon. So that's all my whining for the week. Well, I still got the the news to whine about. Not too much going on there. So anyway, check out the YouTube channel, TWK, Trucking the Kingfish. That's TWK, Trucking the Kingfish in YouTube. A uh, recent video that it just added was going through the Port of Entry Agricultural Station in California. Yeah, it's the one just south of Vegas. When you're going down the 15, you get off. First thing you do is you hit the Agricultural Station, which is a booth. Just say, you know, do you have any plants to declare, things like that. Sometimes they'll ask you for paperwork. I'm a package guy, so... I don't have to give them anything. I just tell them packages, and they just let me go, personal stuff. And then you go to the scale, and, you know, from there. But anyway, that uh, video is up there if you want to check it out. It's a short one, like three four minutes. The I-70, crossing I-70 is like three and a half hours. That's a really long one. So it is what it is. All right, that being said, let's get on with the show. Keeping that hammer down all across the nation Checking cities off his list Sharing stories of the road right here on his station You are listening to the Kingfish Yes, you've tuned in to the Kingfish Radio Network mm. Expand your mind on the open road with Kingfish right here. All right, we're going to start this off with a sad one. Uh, this one kind of hits home for me since I recently was blown over. I wasn't ejected, though. All right. The truck driver was killed during windy conditions in the Texas Panhandle on the 23rd of uh, April in Oldham, Oldham County, Texas. According to News Force, San Antonio driver was traveling east on I-40 when his trailer started lifting off the interstate because of severe crosswind. The driver, 34-year-old Basin Bahadur, I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing your name, I, uh, I really 
you know, this poor man died. I hate to do that, but uh, attempted to right the rig, but instead skidded to the center medium and overturned on the left side of the truck. Bahadur was uh, partially ejected in the wreck and was pronounced dead at the scene. No other information has been released. You know, the winds are that strong. It could happen to anybody. Don't think it can happen to you. It happened to me. I was in the bunk. But I didn't get hurt like this man did. And I was lucky. And unfortunately, he was not. So keep that in mind. You know, we got to... Bad things could happen to us at any given time. So, all right, let's get moving on. Well, this one's still up for debate, I guess, but I think it's a real pain in the ass. Anyway, Wednesday, on Wednesday, early this week, the Federal Motor Carrier Administration issued a notice indicating that the agency will move forward with a rule to require speed-limiting devices on commercial vehicles. My truck goes 70. I think 70 is perfect for me. Uh, and in, in a notice of intent document published uh, April 27th, the FMCSA announced its intent to proceed with a speed limiter rulemaking by preparing a supplemental notice of proposed rulemaking to follow up on the National Highway Safety Administration and FMCSA's jointly issued September 7th, 2016 notice of proposed rulemaking. God, the way they write this shit on this subject. The FMSCSA plans propose that any commercial vehicle with a gross weight of 26,000 pounds or more be equipped with an electronic engine control unit. They will be capable of governing speed to a limit that will be determined during the rulemaking process. In other words, they haven't come up with the speed that they're going to go for yet. Now, once this all, if this all thing goes down, what it is is, okay, first off, the owner-operator, let me get to this part. Earlier this year, the American Trucking Association, the American Trucking Association is not on the side of the drivers. The American Trucking Association is made up of Swift, Warner, uh, you know, you know those type of companies. The CEOs of those companies take turns as president of the ATA, American Trucking Association. The American Trucking Association has is a bunch of companies, the big carriers. You know, the big carriers that don't pay very much that people work for and then don't then leave and have like three hundred dollar or 300, uh, you know, 300% turnover rate, you know, those kind of things, you know, anywhere from, you know, well over 100% anyway. But anyway, oh my God, what a nightmare this is going to be. Anyway, earlier this year, uh, did it, uh, sent a letter uh, to uh, Boodle, Boodle, you know, I can't say his name, Buttigieg, uh asking for this. So anyway, the ATA has suggested mandated speed limits of 60 miles per hour, 65 miles per hour or 68 miles per hour for vehicles with speed limits. Now you got to say to yourself, why would the American Trucking Association, an association made up of the largest carriers, you know, the ones that don't pay very much, why would they want to put speed limiters on all the trucks? And why would they want to limit it at 60, 65, and 68? Well, here's why. Because they got a shitload of trailers. I mean, a lot of trailers. So they can drop like 100 trailers in your yard and things like that. And that's their advantage. Owner-operator, his advantage is getting there as fast as possible. I guarantee you that if you were to take, you know, you can break up statistics any way you want. But if you were to look at the owner-operators versus the trucking, the trucking drivers from the ATA, list of companies and look at their accident rates 
I would venture to guess that the ATA companies have a much higher percentage-wise accident rate than the owner-operators do. Much higher. And so, and they're the slower companies, so go figure. So anyway, the Owner-Operator Independent uh, Drivers Association, which is OIDA, it's a good organization if you don't, I'm not affiliated with them, but if you know, if you want to join a group and you're not in a union, that's a good one. It's to go to its OIDA opposes any attempt to require speed limiters. They don't like it. You know why? Because they're arguing that they increase congestion and speed differentials between cars and trucks, which ultimately lead to more crashes. I agree 100%. Split state speed limit states are a pain in the ass to drive in because cars are flying around you like crazy. Additionally, arbitrarily speed limits, arbitrary, arbitrary, arbitrary. Oh, yeah, go back to English, son. Arbitrary speed limits make it difficult for truck drivers to switch lanes to accommodate merging traffic and entrance ramps or to merge themselves. Yeah, here's what it comes down to. You got a guy, you're in a right lane, you can only go 62, there's a guy coming on, and then there's guys in the left lane flying by at 100 miles an hour. Yeah, they're doing 70, 80 in their cars. You can't get in the left lane. If you do, you're sl they're slamming on their brakes. So you're stuck. You're It's a no man's land. You're going too slow to, to you know, you got to slow down almost too much for the guy coming on, but you can't get over you know, it's 70 or so, you can get over, you can get over, go around them, it's not a problem, it's a lot easier, trust me. It's one of those things you just have to experience, I guess. Anyway, Oida also says that speed limiters give an unfair advantage to large carriers over small business truckers. Absolutely. Because like I said, a large carrier can drop 100 trailers, that's their advantage. Small carrier, small owner-operator, his advantage is speeding, getting there as fast as possible. So it really comes down to you know, well, big brother ATA, the Borg, I call the AT the Borg. You will be assimilated. Resistance is futile. We will turn your check into shit and you will have no benefits. Yeah, all the ATA companies suck. All right, I'll just say it flat out. You don't want to deal with them. The ATA does not represent truck drivers as a whole. They are not out to help you. They are out to hinder you. They are all, ATA is corporate America. They are not going to pass legislation that is good for drivers so that being said it'll be interesting to see what happens if they go to 60 60 to 65 oh my god that'd be a nightmare 68 wouldn't be too bad it'd still be you know it'd be it'd be reasonable i guess but what's the point 70 was where i'm at i like it 70 but 60 oh driving 60 that would I had to go back to driving 60, that'd be like crawling across the country. Also, if I started going back to 60, that would, uh, you know, be a, it'd be a pay, pay deduction for me big time. Think about it. 60 miles an hour is not very fast. And I'd be going 10 miles an hour slower than what I do now. So it'd be a huge pay cut. And at a time when we're losing drivers, I don't see where that's... Uh, that's going to help anybody. But hey, you know what? Screw you, ATA. That's all I can say. Screw the ATA, the American Trucking Association. They are not on your side. If you want it, if you want it, effective change and you want to fight this shit before it goes down, you need to join an organization like OIDA or you need to be a union member. 
Because if you these organizations have lawyers, they have the lobbyists, they know how to fight this crap. On your own, all you can do is bitch at the truck stop and complain. You want to make effective change? Join OIDA, O-O-I-D-A. That's who, that's what you got to do. They got lawyers. That's what your dues goes for, paying for these lawyers and lobbyists to keep things and keep things in check. Otherwise, the ATA, who has lobbyists and lawyers themselves, well, they're going to dictate your future and your future is going to be 60 miles an hour. So it's up to you to decide, <laughs> you know, what do you want to do? All right, let's get moving on. Well, it sounds like another trucking company has bit the bullet. Illinois-based trucking company has filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection, signing a jury award of $10 million in December after a 2019 fatal truck crash with one of, involving one of its drivers. Joseph Keller, president of Marvin Keller Trucking, headquarters in Sullivan, Illinois, filed the first of several emergency motions in the U.S. Bankruptcy Court for the Central District of Illinois on Friday, stating the bankruptcy filing is necessary to avoid irreparable and immediate harm to the carrier's operation. So, we'll see what happens. They got, they got hit with a big fine and, you know, for $10 million, a lot of money. So, I don't know. They're filing for bankruptcy. We'll have to wait and see what happens. All right. Seems to be a recurring theme these days, huh? All right, let's keep moving on. All right, here we go. <laughs> Jeez, Jesus, this is just insane. You know, just what do you think of can't get any stranger? It's always strange. It's the world of driving, right? A truck driver is held on bond after a road rage incident involving a one-armed motorist. Oh, involving an armed motorist. Not a one-armed motorist. What is this? You know, uh, the fugitive? No, no, an armed motorist. All right. The incident happened uh, April 22nd at 1.30 p.m. in Clark County, Washington, on Interstate 5, north of Northeast 99th Street exit. Mm, I think I've been there. I'm not sure. Uh, according to the Columbian, a 33-year-old motorist, Zachary Terman, was driving along I-5 when some debris flew off of a flatbed truck and struck his vehicle. Thurman tried to get the flatbed driver's attention, but was unsuccessful. Just then, 56-year-old uh, trucker Joseph A. Horn began to change lanes in his truck, forcing Thurman off the road and into the concrete barrier wall. Thurman says Horn tried to trap him against the wall with his truck, something you would see in a movie. Yeah, what kind of movie would that be? Anyway, Thurman says that he was able to get away and attempted to pass the semi-truck in the right lane, but was struck and then spun out, eventually stopping after hitting the grill of the truck. The truck then pushed the car sideways before coming to a stop. Horn then exited his vehicle and approached Thurman with his wooden club. Well, they already hit him with a truck. Eh? You know, why not hit him with a wooden club, right? Prompting Thurman to grab a pistol. Yeah, well, yeah, that's a good reason to grab a pistol. Thurman then held out the gun into the car window to show Horn that he was armed, but claimed it did not point it at Horn. Oh, no, if, if I'm pulling on a pistol, I'm pointing it at you. Why else pull it out then? Horn then returned to his truck while Thurman exited his vehicle while the passenger or uh, through the passenger side to gain entrance or to gain distance. That's when Horn emerged from his rig with his own gun. Oh shit! So the truck driver went back, a flatbed driver went back, grabbed his gun, and walked back. So this is going no place good, right? It just keeps getting worse. Thurman claims that Horn then threatened to kill him and chased it, chased him down the freeway forcing Thurman to weave and duck through cars to take cover as the gun was pointed at him. A witness then notified the two men that police were, were coming and Horn was on the way. You know, uh, so the guy in the car with the gun pulled the gun first. 
I mean, after getting hit with the truck, of course, he starts running, and the other guy's chasing him with his own pistol. You know, there's nobody gets shot over this. Horn later told investigators that he knocked into Thurman's car because he thought he was intervening in a road raid incident between Thurman and uh, and a flatbed truck. Oh, another flatbed. Horn says he intentionally tried to put his rig sideways in front of Thurman. Horn also admitted to grabbing a wooden club to strike the hood of Thurman's car and admitted to grabbing his gun and pursuing him in order to dis disarm him. So, okay. Officers were able to locate a revolver and a wooden club in the center lane next to Horn's tractor trailer. Horn admitted the items were his. A black pistol and a knife were also found 100 feet behind Horn's rig. Those allegedly belong to Thurman. So this Thurman guy pulls out his pistol, then Horn walks back, grabs his pistol, and then the Thurman guy turns around and runs and drops all his shit. Well, I don't know. I'm best better than shooting back, I guess. Horn appeared in court on Monday morning, April 25th, on suspicion of first-degree assault. His bail was set at 20000 scheduled to be arraigned on May, May 6th. I don't know. What would you be thinking? You're going down, you're going down the I-5 and... Yeah, you see these guys like chasing each other, waving their guns at each other, and I don't know, you know, it's just, <laughs> just stupid, just stupid. It's, I'm just glad I wasn't there. Let's keep moving on. Well, if you're in Chile, apparently they just my news is old. Of course, I'm not in Chile. It says here Chile is uh, on strike. The truck drivers in Chile are on strike for safety reasons. If anybody knows more about this, give me a call at four one four six 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 one nine two six. Leave me a message. Then I'll call you back or just tell me what's going on. That's 414-666-1926. Don't worry, it'll go straight to voicemail. I don't pick up that line. It's a Google voice message number thingy. So anyway, yeah, this does not look good. So good luck with that one, right? And I guess, you know, they're doing all blockade and all that crazy nonsense. So, but it's all about safety, right? Isn't it always about safety? Safety. Okay, guys, I'm going to throw a reminder out there for you. Don't forget this year's Commercial Vehicle Safety Alliance. That's CVS. It's CVSA. The International Road Track Enforcement Effort is approaching fast, and here's what you need to know. This year's International Road Track will take place May 17th, 18th, and 19th at the Way and Inspection Stations. On roving patrols and at temporary inspection sites throughout Canada, U.S., and Mexico. Temporary inspection sites might be scales, might be a big area off the side of the road. Could be that make you exit off the road and go to a big area. You know, who knows? So just be prepared. Those are the big days. 72 hours. Usually it goes a little longer, a little shorter, whatever. All right. This year, the focus will be on wheel-ins. That's everything connected to your wheels. According to the CVSA, violations involving wheel-in components historically account for about one quarter of the vehicle out of service. Violations discovered during international road check and past international road check data routinely found wheel-in components in the top 10 vehicle violations. During inspections of wheel-ins on a commercial vehicle, inspectors will... These are big. Okay, listen to this. Check for cracks or unseated locked ring studs or clamps. Check for bent, cracked, or broken rims on the inside and outside of wheel rims. Check for loose, broken, missing, or damaged wheel fasteners and elongated stud holes. Check spoke wheels for cracks across spokes in a wheel area or slippage in the clamp areas. Check the hub for lubricant leaks, missing caps, or plugs. Check their inner wheel seal for leaks. Check the tire and valve stem for leaks. Check for proper inflation, cuts, bulges on all tires including the inside tire and a dual set. Yeah, thump that son of a bitch. 
All right, check, but don't flip your steer tire. I've seen a guy do that one day, and I just like, why, why is he doing that? You can tell the steer tire's flat because it's on the ground. Anyway, check for regroove tires on a steering axle. Yeah, it's a steer axle. Those are sacred, man. They gotta be perfect. Check thread wear and measure major thread groove depth. Inspect the sidewall for proper improper repairs, such as tire plugs. If you have a tire, if you have a tire plug on a side of the you know the sidewall of your of your tire, you're, okay, don't don't do that. That's not good. Okay, not good at all. Check for exposed fabric or cord. You know, like uh, the rubber's down. You can see a little shiny. You can see the little metal you know, cord sometimes. Uh, check for tire contact with any other part of the vehicle. Yeah, don't be hitting nothing. Mud flaps. Mud flaps would be a big one. If you get a mud flaps touching tire, pull it, suck it back. Could be other things too. Check for markings on the tire that would ex that would exclude its use on a steering axle. You know, something that says it's not fresh, new. You can't put uh, retreads on a uh, steer axle check for debris between the tires you know the rocks and things get stuck between the duels you know the tires check for tires touching one another or any part of the vehicle and they already said that but that's okay now this is where it gets good there's going to be four possible outcomes of any of a level one or v inspection v is probably a canadian thing uh, during road trip, most drivers will undergo a level one inspection, 37-step process to confirm compliance with driver operating requirements. They're going to walk around and check everything, okay? Vehicle, okay, here's what could happen. Number one, vehicle passes inspection with no violation. If no violations are found, you get a CVS decal, which may be a highlight the vehicle, indicating the vehicle successfully passed inspection. In general, vehicles with decals are not re-inspected during the three-month period along which the decal is valid. So that's a golden ticket for three months. You know, not that we get that many inspections, but violations are found but are not critical vehicle inspection item violations. When an inspector identifies vehicle violations that are not critical, uh, but the inspector will note these violations on the inspection report and the vehicle will be permitted to continue. All right, number three, vi violations of critical inspection items are found but they are, but they are not out of service. When an inspector identifies a critical vehicle inspection violation the inspector will note those violations on the inspector report and the vehicle will be permitted to continue vehicles with critical vehicle inspection items are not eligible to receive a cva a cvsa decal which is a golden ticket for three months or number four out of service violations are discovered yeah yeah this is the bad one if uh, critical vehicle inspection items are found and the condition is identified as North American standard out-of-service criteria, the inspector will render the vehicle out of service, which means the vehicle cannot be operated until the identified violations have been repaired. So basically, you know, check your shit out before, you know, the dates. It's May 17th, 18th, and 19th. All right, don't mess around because they're not messing around. Or just stay home for three days. It's really the you know it's pretty much all you gotta do just stay home for three days all right let's get moving on well this is gonna be a big deal trimac they uh mostly haul chemicals hazardous you know stuff and apparently there's a big lawsuit going on right now because the company didn't provide the workers with proper protection or proper monitoring tools and yeah they interviewed one man uh jamie groves james groves is one of several workers who was suing his 71-year-old work, work, uh, 71 work for Trimac in Kansas. 
In 12 years, he washed and removed chemicals left inside tanker trucks, often crawling inside it to do. At a facility in Kansas this past March, he participated in emergency deposition from his bed toward the end of a long battle with lymphoma. When asked about his prognosis, Grove said his doctor told him he time was running out. He's saying three to six months if we're lucky. Well, the man died 35 days later. So, guess what it is? Is I don't know. Corporate America trying to take advantage of the workers again because they're expendable. It's really what it comes down to. Sad case. Uh, drivers. It sounds like a lot of those drivers over there and the people who wash those tanks are going to have some long-term health effects coming down the line for a long time. And they probably lost quite a few of them, didn't know what it was. So, I don't know. Maybe they need an Aaron Brockovich to go there and tear it up. All right, let's get moving on. Well, Indian television, it's uh, Indian television as in India, the country, just came out and said that one of the best jobs for Indians in the United States is da -da -da -da, trucking. That's right. So I'm not surprised. There's lots of Indian truck drivers, and quite honestly, they're taking over the older truck stops. You know what? I really don't have a problem with that because the Indian food is sure is a lot better than that fast food crap we usually get. You know, some, oh my God, that tandoor chicken, man, this, that stuff is to die for. Or some of the vegetable platters. I mean, oh, it's just really good stuff. So I don't have a problem with it. It's a shortage anyway, so supposedly. I don't know, but that's, that's the thing about trucking. It collects anybody and everybody. And, uh, hey, well, we're all doing the same job, so I don't care where you're from. As long as you drive safe, you're okay with me. Just give me some tandoor chicken, will you? Man, that stuff's good. All right, let's get moving on. Well, I don't have all the details on this one, but Portland police are investigating gunfire at a trucker convoy traveled through town. Now, it's not unknown if it's not known if it's the shots were coming from the truckers, which I doubt, or if it was coming from the public. Probably might have been somebody in the public who was a little pissed off that these guys with their horns were cruising through their neighborhood, blasting them away, and it got on their nerves so much that they freaked out. That's what I'm guessing what happened. So, over the course of two hours in southeast Portland, four shootings left, two dead, and multiple injured. All right. So, video footage taken by the convoy shows one of their members reaching for what appears to be a firearm in his belt before gunfire rings out. Well, he might have saw something and was just defending himself. I really don't know. All I know is the investigation continues, and, uh, you know, the truck convoy is definitely... You know, at least they say it's not about violence. I hope it isn't. But here's the thing. You're going to go blasting through some of these small neighborhoods with air horns. Don't expect it, Don't expect there ain't going to be no resistance, because there will be. So, And most of the people that you're blasting through the neighborhood, they don't care about what it is you're protesting. And it won't make no difference in the world to anybody. So just keep that in mind. All right, let's get moving on. All right, this one's... I don't even know what to think about this one. All right. Truckers who traveled to Washington, D.C. to protest the COVID-19 vaccine requirements are suing the city, saying that their First Amendment rights were violated according to court records. Yeah, I know. I know. I know what you're thinking. What the hell? So anyway, in a complaint filed Tuesday at the U.S. District Court for the, you know, Court for the District of Columbia, over a dozen plaintiffs say their constitutional rights were violated during the protests when police blocked entry points into the district. They specifically claim that D.C. Metropolitan Police Department formed a blockades for the sole purpose of preventing American citizens from, from, from try that again, 
per, the sole purpose of preventing American citizens from entering our nation's capital to exercise their constitutionally protected right to free speech, resulted in the death of two people who crashed their vehicles into the blockade. Why would you want to do that? The Hill has, has reached out to the District of Columbia and the plaintiff's attorney for comment. The group known as the People's Convoy was inspired by similar protests against COVID-19 requirements in Canada. You know, this convoy seemed to have a lot of money. Anyway, the COVID uh, movement was shut down parts of Ottawa for days. Here's what it comes down to. Uh, they went, they, you know, these guys, they traveled to D.C. They're going to protest. They're going to drive around and circle, hold up traffic, whatever. Which, I mean, probably nobody would even really notice since traffic's so screwed up there. It, it, it's going to get stuck no matter what. But the cops, they, they, they blocked off access to these guys to go around the thing and they're saying it violates their free speech i don't know i'm thinking to myself we just had an attempted coup back in january so you know what's uh you know uh, you know a bunch of heavy trucks driving around the the circle you know this just doesn't seem like a good idea to me but any you know, whatever because what's a failed coup that's the practice for a successful coup that's what that is, as they say. So, I don't know. Uh, as for the two people dying, I don't know the details on that one. It doesn't say anything about that in the article. It does suck. I don't know how, you know, maybe they didn't put up warning, enough warning signs or something, or who knows. Um, I don't know. It's, no matter how you look at it, it's a bad deal. All the way around, it is a bad deal. So, I don't know. Let's keep moving on. All right, that's it for this week. I got to get ready for work, take a shower, go down there, get the truck ready, roll out in the morning. What I like to do is, because I got to take a car down to Chicago, I drive over down there the night before, uh, take a quick nap in the truck, and then when I drive out, I'm fresh and I'm ready to go. Luckily, it'll pick up right at the terminal where we're at. I'm pretty excited about that. Might be doing a new bid soon. Who knows? I'll let you know what's going on with that. Either way... I love running out cross country. I love the. Here's what I like: nice, long runs. I love nice long runs. That's what I like. I like nice long runs across the country. I hate short runs. It's not my thing. You know, give me a two thousand mile run in a sleeper team, and I'm your guy. I just love it. I don't care what the weather's like. I'll deal with it. It's that fifteen, sixteen, two hundred mile crap. I can't stand. Yeah, that stuff sucks. But I'll take what I can get. So, I don't know. Anyway, that's it for this week. We're coming down on Tuesdays. We get the new bid. We might go back to Mondays. I don't know. We'll see what happens. The bid will dictate when we drop the... When we drop the... Uh, the notes. We'll still see what, stay with season 11, though, because it's only a couple weeks. So, that being said, stay out of trouble. All right. Be nice to each other. Get over tow trucks. Get over cops. Get over fire trucks. And check out the Hot Logic. There's a coupon code in the show notes. Somebody bought like three of those things last week. And uh, I love it. I use it in the truck all the time. I love the thing. It's a little heater thing. Plug it in. I recommend the 110 and plug in a new inverter. 12 volt plugs tend to melt. You know how that is with the coolers. They only last so long. So, I'm a big fan of the hot logic. I love the thing. All right. Be at peace, my friends. I'm out of here. Later.
You never know if the person next to you in line is a McMuffin, a McGriddles, Biscuit, or Burrito person. But what you do know is that every last one of us in line for our McDonald's breakfast this morning were brave enough to get out of bed a few minutes early. Get your favorite McDonald's breakfast today and enjoy a delicious sausage McMuffin and hash browns for just $3 and pair it with a $1 any size hot coffee. Price participation may vary, cannot be combined with any other offer. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today.